Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Um, let me tell you just a little bit more about Drift. So, I was going to use it for my trip to Eugene, but I didn't because my flight left really early and I was too lazy to get like my golf clubs and stuff out of my car in time. So, I didn't get to actually try it out, but I really wish I would have because I paid too much for parking when I could have parked for free and probably made some money by letting them rent my car out to somebody who was visiting Denver for a couple of days. Um, because that's basically how drift car sharing works. You know, they it, Allstate insures your car to make sure that it's actually going to be in good shape when you get back. Uh, drift cleans your car, whether you rent it out or not. Um, so worst case scenario... You drop your car off, and they just clean it for you, like inside and out, and you don't have to pay for parking. It's kind of a great deal. I definitely need to check it out, uh, and I will do that soon. Okay, um, today we are going to talk about uh, the buffs, and we're going to go back a little bit to the Oregon game, um, talk through a couple more things that we didn't get to uh, in the post-game pod, Friday night. Um, but first, I want to talk about what we learned in Boulder this morning. So, uh, we heard from Aaron Maddox and Mel Tucker. Uh, those are the two who are at the podium today. And tomorrow, for the press conferences, we should get a handful of players and a couple of coaches as well. Um, and then Wednesday is actually Basketball Media Day, which will be a lot of fun to get out there, see what they're saying as we get a little bit closer to their season uh, for the men and the women. So that's kind of what's going on this week. But today, like I said, uh, we heard a lot first from Aaron Maddox. And again, it's always good to hear from him. Um, might as well go back and tell the whole story. But, you know, he's a starting safety and... Uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, he he was making a tackle on the sideline and he slid into a misting machine. Uh, like one of those things that keeps the guys cool on the benches. Uh, just like rolled out of bounds and hit it and he cut his leg open. And he said, you know, he didn't even notice at first. He like tried to get up. But what tipped him off was actually the reaction from the Air Force players, the way they were looking at him. Uh, was what made him think like oh no something must be wrong and then he looks down sees his leg and obviously kind of panics a little bit 
um, he he got really lucky. You know, I mean, he said like he looked down and he saw bone, uh, which is just terrifying to think about to cut your leg that deep. Uh, he's saying, you know, an, an inch another way, and it would would have cut the a nerve that would have made it really tough for him to ever play football again because it, it like does something to control how your foot moves or something like that. Um, an inch another way with something else, it goes a little bit deeper. Then it's a whole nother problem. He he kind of got lucky that it is what it was, and you know he came back and played this weekend a couple weeks ahead of schedule. We thought that he were, you know, they, they had listed that he would be out a couple more weeks. So, you know, it's it's kind of an a weird a weird thing because it's so unlucky that he happened to just roll into that misting machine on the sideline. Like, it's horribly unlucky. And we, we were talking about today, you know, it's mostly made of plastic. There's just one metal bar, and that's the metal bar that his leg hit. Um... And then, I mean, obviously horribly unlucky there, but lucky that it didn't cause worse injuries. You know, it, when you see bone, that's not a good thing. It gets carted off, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, he was back out there on Saturday. Now he and Darian Rakestraw are kind of rotating. They play that same role on that defense. Darian's actually Aaron's mat, uh, roommate. And so, you know, they, they, they're pretty close. They talk a lot. You know, he said that he did have kind of a different perspective watching games from the bench, being able to see everything that's going on out there uh, from a different angle when you're not sprinting around, trying to, like, make plays, adrenaline super high. And, and he, he thought that he was able to help out just a little bit by, you know, giving, giving his insights from the sideline, talking about what he could see. Um, but, yeah, I think that that kind of sums up the whole thing with Aaron. Obviously, we're thrilled that he's back on the field uh the buffs need him and also you you love to see it for him as a person um okay uh, i think that that pretty much sums up aaron also heard afterward from mel tucker and mel you know he was himself he he was a little he was kind of calm he was relaxed you know he, t- he talked about the loss he said that um they they went through this this morning and just put on the put on the board and during the full team meeting the issues the things that went wrong the way he said we just put it in black and white so everybody could see it and they went through and and talked through some of the the big issues that they saw in Oregon you know the reasons that he thinks caused them to lose that game 45 to 3 um he said that they weren't issues that were new they were the same things that have kind of been plaguing them uh, throughout the season, but Oregon took advantage and the Buffs didn't play their best. And that combination made it very obvious what all of those were. And, you know, they, they got back to work talking through those. Um, and he says, he says he has, you know, all of his plans. Some of it you can fix schematically. Some of it's with specific drills that they're going to try to do in practice. But, you know... He, he, he said he has faith that this team is going to get to where it needs to be. The question is just how long it takes. And from this point forward, it's it's still just learn everything as quickly as possible, see if you can put it on the field, and hope that everything goes smoothly. Because at some point, Mel is convinced that it's just going to start clicking. And, you know, I, I, think, that, I, I think I agree. I think that I can see that. It's just limiting the mistakes. Uh, they they blew some plays 
in ways that they shouldn't, and that's kind of been the theme of the season, leaving receivers open, not getting the pass rush. It's just all these little things that you just need to start checking off all the boxes, making sure they're right, and then once you have them all figured out in practice, then you'll you'll see them implemented consistently during the games, and you won't see the same blown coverages, the same mistakes. It's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating. Um, more frustrating for Mel than anybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the approach. He said that they had a great practice. It was high energy. Everybody was bought in. Um, they kind of moved on from Oregon. And I think you have to. You know, I think I've kind of moved on from Oregon too. At the time, it kind of felt like the it felt like the world was ending, like the sky was falling, watching Colorado lose 45-3. That's a lot. That's a that's a blowout, and that's not something that I expected to see from this team this year. But it's football, and those things happen, and you just have to move on. And now that we've had the weekend to get over it, it's time to just move forward and get ready for Washington State. You know, that, that path to a bowl game is still there. Washington State, definitely a win- winnable game. Uh, UCLA, they should beat. And then Stanford. You know, I'm not all that impressed with Stanford. I'm not sure. Is KJ Costello back? Uh, we'll, I'll figure that out. But, um, yeah, I mean, you beat those three teams, you're in a bowl game. You lose to one, you you beat USC, Washington, or Utah, then you're in a bowl game. It's it's just getting out there and doing it. And they they have to finish season 500. That's not all that bad. Uh, Yeah, and so those are probably the big takeaways. Mel also said that yesterday uh, he had... 10 meetings, 10 meetings with individual players. Uh, And that's just kind of how he spent his Sunday, you know, called him in, talked about what needs to improve, what he needs to see more of from these people. And that's kind of what you expect a coach like Mel to do, to be having those conversations, making his expectations clear. If I don't, I don't know what exactly the content of those meetings were, whether they were, saying hey clean up these three things or whether it's saying you know what we need you to play more we need you to play less and like your your role is being decreased but halfway through the season those are kind of the conversations that you have figuring out who fits in where you know I wouldn't be surprised if there was something with uh, Darian Rakestraw and Aaron Maddox yesterday just because you know Darian stepped into Aaron's role and played well we saw them kind of split the role and I, I thought they both played pretty well against Oregon and you know, now there's kind of two people for that one job. And it, it probably means there was a rotation or something like that. But, you know, that's the kind of conversation that they might be having at this point in the season, you know. Um, again, all speculation. But we do know that he said he had 10 guys up in his office one at a time just talking about whatever he thought they needed to talk about. Um First time we've heard that. I don't think we've heard that all season, uh, anything like it, really. Um, but it would make sense that that would come after Oregon and kind of, you know, the midpoint of the season where it's time halftime adjustments. It's time for some halftime adjustments for this whole season. And we'll see what Mel came up with. I think that those were kind of the big storylines from Mel's press conference. I don't think there was anything else that really jumped out at me. Um, but again, good practice. They're back to work. Um, got a little extra rest after playing that Friday night game. I think they got back pretty late 
Friday night. I guess they'd have to after that game ended. But um, yeah, they got, I guess, like a full Saturday off. Probably got back at like three now that I think of it, four, somewhere around there. So still better than usual. They got some time to figure out Washington State, and we'll dig into Washington State later in the week. Um, but I think that that's it for the first segment. And so I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Um, yesterday, uh, I went out to the Broncos game, went to the Broncos tailgate, the or DNVR sons of mile high tailgate in lot N and drank a lot of Breckenridge beers. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, lots of strawberry sky there, a bunch of avalanches. I think there's a Colorado core, a whole bunch of United and orange, um, and they were really good. And they, you know, I, I kind of drank them thinking it might make the next few hours inside the stadium a little bit easier. Turns out we didn't need that, but it was a blast. And if you guys haven't been to one of our tailgates yet, you definitely should. Uh, Thursday night, we're having another, um, obviously for the Chiefs game. I'll be out. Th- I think I'm going to get out there at like two and be out there until kickoff. So, Come swing by. It's a blast. We're playing some Pong. Um, we're playing all sorts of games. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, also, Wednesday, we are having an avalanche wa- uh, watch party at the Ice House in downtown Denver. Uh, it's a cool place. I've never been to one of our avalanche watch parties, but I've heard that they're probably the rowdiest. And I believe that because of the hockey crowd, the avalanche are on fire uh, starting the season 4-0, and they won in overtime. I was listening to the overtime on the radio on my way back from the airport uh, Saturday night. So exciting. Uh, hockey's a blast. They're actually, I, I, I'm doing the podcast at like 2 today, so I'll be done at 3, which is when the Avs play the Capitals. Uh, such an exciting time for sports around here. Uh, but come out to our watch party. It'll be a lot of fun. And I don't know what they have planned. I'm sure I'll have more details for you tomorrow. But yeah, uh, it'll be a blast. Obviously free. All this stuff is free. Okay, Uh, back in to talk about the Pac-12. So as usual, early in the week, we like to go through, uh, see what's going on around the whole conference. And, you know, I, I... it's kind of tough tough to read much into what happened this week. So uh, I guess not 10 teams in action because USC was playing a non-conference game. So nine teams in action, uh, four games on Saturday. Obviously, Colorado lost 45-3. But uh, then uh, Saturday, Arizona State beat Washington State. Uh, so if we want to read something into that, you know, the, the Buffs beat Arizona State. In, in Arizona, Washington State lost to Arizona State in Arizona. So good signs, I guess. Uh, interesting stuff. When you look at the race for the Pac-12, um, you, you, Pac-12 title game, the, the the North champion plays the South champion. Washington State's in the North, Arizona State's in the South. So you probably would have liked to see that go the other way in terms of what's best for the buffs. But in terms of building hope, Seeing Washington State lose, not not a bad thing at all. So that was a 38-34 game. Um, maybe we'll dig back into this just a little bit more later if we have time. Uh, then USC lost to Notre Dame 30-27. Notre Dame, obviously a very good team, playing at home. They 
And it was a three-point game, but Notre Dame kind of built a little bit of a lead early. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know there. Utah beat Oregon State 52-7. to Not a huge surprise. Definitely a huge number, but Oregon State is that bottom feeder team in the Pac-12. And, you know, I think I wrote about this. Did I write about this? Yeah, I did. But that used to be Colorado, too. Like, a few years ago, Colorado was right there with Oregon State, those two worst teams in the Pac-12 conference. Um, That Oregon loss brings you back to that. It it makes you think, like, wow, this is what it was like when this was happening every week, whether you're playing a good team or a bad team. And I don't know. I mean, it's tough to pull any silver linings out of that game. One could be like, wow, remember this feeling that used to be around constantly, but this is kind of the first time we've had to deal with it. You know, it's it's it kind of just shows that it's a step in the right direction. You know, they aren't Oregon State. They aren't on that level. Now they're competing with Arizona State and Arizona and uh, hopefully Washington State. And they've definitely moved up a rung in that conference, which is which is great. You know, expecting much more than that right away with Mel Tucker is going to be a bit of a stretch. You know, that's it's a process. And I mean, it's not like this is a huge leap from a year or two ago, but it's it's something, something to keep an eye on. You know, you just want to keep moving up the conference. It isn't going to be worst for to first. Like that's just unrealistic. But I really don't think that they're off pace to continue their climb. You know, nothing about what's happening is making me worry that they they aren't on their way back to the top of the Pac-12. It's just going to be a couple years. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean that's kind of the big takeaway. I think is that they are still just building, and that Oregon law shows that they aren't some like like I think I wrote like Mel Tucker isn't a magician. He's just like a really smart guy. You know, it's it's not just going to come from nowhere. But you know, there's just. There's just some work to be done, and it's going to take a year or two to get all of that work done. All right, back into the uh, standings, though. So, Buffs are trying to win the Pac-12 South. I think that has to be the goal. You know, maybe it doesn't work out, and they pick up a bowl game. But but Pac-12 South, I think, has to be the goal every year, but especially this year when the Pac-12 South is not all that strong. Uh, right now, there are four teams at 2-1. and one. And there are two teams, Colorado and UCLA, at one and two. So it's it's far from out of reach. It's really anybody's conference division or what a division to win. Uh, you wouldn't expect UCLA to make a run. Buffs just need to win a couple games, and all of a sudden they could be right back at the top. You know, Utah, obviously, with the big win this week. But, I mean, it's Oregon State. It isn't a huge win. Washington State, by the way, 0-3 in conference. Something that I didn't realize, but thinking back, yeah, that's definitely right. They haven't won a football game in a while. Um, In the rankings, Oregon is now 12th, Utah 13th, uh, Arizona State 17th, and Washington 25th. Those are the four ranked teams in the Pac-12 right now. Definitely not the strongest showing in the rankings. They were looking a little bit better a few weeks ago. But I don't think that it's unfair. You know, that's 
that seems like where everybody should be. The Pac-12 just is not that strong, and it leaves that door open for Colorado just a little bit. Before we move on from the like Pac-12 talk, I want to just run through some of the schedules for the teams who I think are contenders for the Pac-12 South because it, it can seem, I don't know, a, a little bleak thinking about what Colorado would have to do to actually win the Pac-12 South because, like we said, you know, three, four winnable games down the stretch. I think you could call USC at home winnable for sure. It's just that they've never done it there before um, or anywhere. But, but you know, if, if they do pull that out and finish four and two, then they would be what? They'd be five and four in the conference. You know, that's not all that bad in the South. Uh, you look at a team like Arizona State a team who looks like it could compete for the Pac-12 South. They're sitting at 2-1, and one, and they still play Utah this weekend uh, at Utah. Then they play UCLA, which should be a win. USC, another tight game. Uh, Oregon State should be a win. And, you know, Arizona... Oh, oh then Oregon and Arizona. So, so if the Buffs actually do win, uh, you know, maybe... maybe Four, want to call it four? Yeah, we'll call it five and four. Then they need Arizona State um, to beat UCLA, to beat, uh, I don't even know, Oregon State. And then they could still beat Arizona or USC or Utah or Oregon, I guess. But, but then they'd be tied for that top spot in the Pac-12 South. Uh, when you look at Utah, still probably the favorite the rest of the way. I think they'd have to be um, just because, I mean, they're the 13th ranked team in the country. So, again, they play Arizona State. Uh, that's a game they could lose, and that shifts things around for Arizona State, what the Buffs would need. But after that, they play Cal, a good football team. They play Washington, a very good football team. Uh, UCLA, which they should probably win. Then Arizona, Colorado. So if even if you give them the wins, I guess if you give them the Colorado win, then Colorado needs to beat them outright. So they could only win one other, and that'd have to be UCLA. So so that probably doesn't work. You probably have to beat Utah to get it. But but you can see that this path is there. It, it is definitely there for Colorado if they can win the games that they can win and then maybe steal one, maybe steal one from Utah. And if they do that, then they could even drop the USC game, although USC will be in that conversation, you know, you know, and that's, that's what I mean when I say that there's a path there. It, it wouldn't take an otherworldly effort from the buffs to at least be in this thing down to the final game of the season, you know, go down to Utah knowing if you win that game, you're going to the PAC 12 title game. And I feel like that right there is about as much as you could ask for out of this season for the buffs. You know, this isn't a season where I remember what outsiders were saying, they were saying two wins, three wins, maybe four wins. And, I mean, they've already got the three wins, and they have six games left. So you so you can definitely see how this could go well for them. And, and if the goal is just to make that Utah game for the Pac-12 South title, it's definitely attainable. It's 100% attainable. Um, they just have to beat the teams they can beat and hope for things to break maybe slightly in their favor around the Pac-12 South, but mostly for things to just happen the way that you might expect them to. You know, while we're doing this, we might as well just run through USC's schedule too because they're the other team that I think could compete. 
Again, two and one in conference. Um, but they play Oregon this week. Oh wait, 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 wait. There we go. Uh, they play Arizona this week. Then they play Colorado. Then Oregon, Arizona State, Cal, UCLA. And again, if if they win three of those, but the Buffs beat them, and the Buffs do what we've been saying they can do, then that's then Colorado's ahead of them. So if Colorado can beat them, then USC can still beat Arizona, lose to Oregon, um, lose to Arizona State, beat Cal, beat UCLA, and that's the Buffs are just fine. But again, that takes the Buffs, first of all, winning in Pullman this week. And this is why you don't really look ahead if you're inside the program because it is too easy to find these paths. I mean, that's what we're doing with the Broncos, too. I mean, now now that they are on that two-game winning streak, they made it back to two and four. Uh, the Chiefs are coming in Thursday. The Chiefs have dropped a couple. And now if the Broncos can somehow find a way to beat them at home, like they probably should have last year, even with a worse team playing a better Chiefs team, you know, then the Broncos are three and four. The Chiefs are four and three. Um, so the Broncos are a game back for from the division lead. Plus, they'd have the tiebreaker. Of course, they, they, they obviously play again in December, those two teams. But all of a sudden, you're right back in that conversation. It would have been great to have beaten Arizona if, if you're Colorado. But sometimes bad breaks happen. And in this division... In this division, it's it's not over at all. I mean, Colorado is still more than in this. It's just about getting out there and winning a couple football games. And and I really do think that that's something that they can manage. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that that makes you feel just a little bit better knowing that if, if Colorado... I mean, I guess it's that USC game. USC, Washington State. Uh, who else? UCLA and uh, Stanford. Those are the four games that Colorado has to win to probably make that Utah game at the end of the year a very important game. And all of a sudden, the Buffs are easily in bowl contention. They've, they've got seven wins going into that last week, and maybe they could run, run up to a better bowl game. And all this kind of seems like a stretch, and, and maybe Colorado just isn't capable of actually, you know, beating all four of those teams. You know, I, th- I think they're capable of beating any one of those teams, but asking them to consistently put out the type of effort that it would take to to beat good teams like that consistently. I mean, I, I don't know that they do have that in them. That's kind of been the question mark is how I, no football team is playing at its best week in and week out. You know, n- none of them, none of them can do that. It's just about how often what you are able to do is good enough. And when you when you're a team like Colorado, it's probably a pretty average Pac-12 team. You you just your average effort isn't going to be good enough all that often. That's why you need to come out there like the Arizona State game and play your best football. So if they can find a way to play their best football all the way through, then yeah, they'll give it a run. If not, then you could see how this team only wins one or two more games this season and misses out on bowl eligibility again. I don't know. The, the point is, we're halfway through the season. Colorado is in decent shape. Maybe about what we would have expected them to be so far, 3-3. Three and three. And the losses may have come in different places than we expected, and the wins too. But average is good for Colorado right now. You know, that's that's where this program is. And that will change in the next year, two years, three years. 
as they start to grow. You know, if they actually land a couple of these late recruits, um, then this will be one of their best recruiting classes in a while. And that's that's exciting. It means they're building for the future. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that pretty much sums up everything I wanted to say here. Uh, we can run back through really quickly that uh, Washington State game from this weekend, just because I said we might touch on it a little bit. Um, you know, just, just because Washington State uh is the buffs opponent this weekend we might as well start this conversation up a little bit early we don't really need to dig too deep into the stats here but there is one big point that i want to prove and it's what we're going to be talking about all week and that's the air raid offense you know it's it's unlike a lot of the offenses the buffs have been seeing recently you know oregon runs the ball a lot Arizona State, pretty pretty balanced, I guess. I'd say they run a little more. Uh, running back Air Force obviously runs the ball constantly. The teams that Colorado's played have leaned a little bit that way. Not the case for Washington State. The air raid offense built off of just these short passes over and over and over again um, because it's more efficient. When you when you look at your yards per play passing versus your par- yards per play rushing, the, the passing is worth more. But the reason a lot of teams don't pass more is because there's the risk of the interception. Um, you know, that's that's kind of where it breaks down. But that's the theory that the air raid is built off of, that you, you pick up more yards per play when you pass the ball, so you might as well just keep passing the ball, just keep racking up these easy completions. So here's the stat that I really wanted to pull out of Washington State's game against Arizona State. All right. Anthony Gordon, Washington State's quarterback, uh, he completed 44 of his 64 passing attempts against Arizona State. Or 466 yards, three touchdowns. That's that's pretty crazy. 64 passing attempts. I think that's probably more than the number of plays the Buffs ran this week. It, it, I bet it's pretty close. But, I mean, that's that's what the Buffs are getting ready to play this week is that offense that just throws the ball and picks apart all the little easy plays. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not that's not what you want to hear for this Colorado team that has struggled against the pass, looked just solid against the run. Um, Max Borgie, the running back, obviously Colorado kid, uh, nine carries, 31 yards, a touchdown. He's our lead back. We'll talk about him too just because he is a local guy. But um, for, for day one of Washington State week, uh, but we don't really need to dig into things, but let's just throw that out there that this team, all they want to do is pass and the buffs maybe don't match up perfectly uh, against something like that. Okay. Uh, want to tell you now about Denver rubber company because Denver rubber company is the best place to buy your rubber. And I don't know why you might need rubber. There are a bunch of different reasons. Um, Denver Rubber Company will give you rubber for uh, aerospace, pharmaceuticals, uh, construction, medicine, electronics, military uses, any anything that you could possibly want custom rubber for. Denver Rubber Company will hook you up with that kind of rubber. It's 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 a pretty cool thing uh, that's been around Denver for a while. I think they started in 1972. They just make all your custom things, whether they're let's see. They say custom die-cut gaskets. I'm going to Google what a gasket is later on. Um, come back to you guys tomorrow. Uh, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. So, 
yeah, I mean, anything that's made out of rubber, they can make and they can design with you and help you decide on what kind of rubber exactly you need. I guess there are different types of rubber. It's not just like one rubber, which surprises me. Um, but if you do need rubber or... I mean, I'm mostly just rubber. Then, then call Denver Rubber Company at 1-800-259-0010. Or you can visit them at drcfirst.com and uh, tell them that we sent you. Uh, so, yeah, if you need rubber, Denver Rubber Company, local, just like us. And they know rubber, un- unlike us. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, so I recorded the uh, post-game podcast Saturday, no, Friday night because it was a weird week uh, from that hotel in Eugene. uh, Ryan, you guys know Ryan. Ryan just sent me a clip of me <laughs> saying I don't even know where I am right now or something like that on that podcast which I loved figured I'd uh call back to that that was a great podcast but uh the point is I forgot I guess to put the post on the website I know I wrote the post that night but I don't see it up there so I, I didn't give you guys a chance to leave any comments which is disappointing because I think I specifically asked for comments um I'll figure out what happened there but uh, that was actually the second podcast of the day because it was like a normal Friday podcast before the post game podcast, and we did get one comment there uh, from Silverbuff, and I have not read it, but it says now that Montez is getting bashed for the worst game of his career, who's ready for him to get 400 yards this week? Well, I am. There's one, and uh, you know, I I don't understand this thing. And I heard about it for a long time while I was getting ready to actually cover the buffs, you know, all summer. It's like, oh, yeah, here, here's the book on Steven Montez. You know, he's he's pretty mobile. He has a great arm. Uh, he, he can make some bad decisions. He has trouble reads. He's probably a one-read quarterback, a little immature maybe, um, but sounds like he's becoming more mature. You know, just the basic scouting report on Steven Montez. But then always at the end, somebody would add on, well, don't forget that whenever he has a bad game, he'll have a good game right after. And and that's just so strange to me. And I think we have talked about this just a couple of times on this podcast because it has happened this year. You know, it's and it's one of these things. Uh, which game was that? That would have been uh, Arizona State. Before the Arizona State game, uh, people saying uh, that would have been between Air Force and Arizona State, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. So after Air Force, when Steven didn't play all that well, um, all week, people said, well, this week, Steven's going to play great. And it, it wasn't like, a, hey, here's this kind of strange thing that kind of happens. 
Like you can kind of go back through the stats and see a little bit of a, a, a trend. It, it It's not like the statistical thing that is an anomaly. It, it's that everybody says, like, put it in stone. Steven Montez will have a good game because he just had a bad game. And that, that just does not make any sense to me at all. But then he goes out to Arizona State and he actually does have I mean, his best game of the season, uh, probably, yeah, I'd say definitely one of the best games of his career. <sighs> I, it's, it's frustrating because you know you have, he, he has it in him and he doesn't have all that many bad games. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, it's just that he has a few of those bad games that are just terrible. It, it, like the once or twice a year where it's interceptions and interceptions, interceptions. You know, this week it was four. And since he played so badly, you know that he's going to play better. I don't know. I don't understand why. It's it's a concern for me on a lot of levels because, I mean, is this Steven realizing, oh, I must not have tr- studied hard enough last week, so I need to really hit the film, hit the books, and, and he just needs that little kick in the butt? You know, that's something that Mikhail Onu talked about after the game. Um, he's always, as always, very introspective, um, very self-aware, aware of this type of stuff. But he, he said, you know, we need to be communicating all game. We don't just communicate when things are bad. It's not we've blown a coverage, so now we need to really focus on communicating. And it's also not, oh, things are going well, so we can stop communicating. It just has to be con- consistent all the way through. Because if you don't con- communicate, you know, maybe it's once every five plays, somebody blows an assignment. Maybe it's once every ten bl- plays, somebody blows an assignment and gives up a big play. It's just being consistent over and over. And, you know, that that's kind of what it seems like with Steven Montez. Like, I this is, again, total speculation. I know nothing about why this is happening, but it almost seems like he like he doesn't prepare like all of a sudden like it 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 playing that badly just hits him really hard and he's like wow i need to come out of this and i i don't know i don't know where it comes from i don't know where else it could come from other than that direction somewhere you know it it just doesn't it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense but yeah no i definitely at this point would expect steven montez to to tear up Washington State and again like that's that's a game where you would expect to see him play well you know like like he, he oh they just posted the video on on Twitter and Instagram of it's my new teaser for my podcast I me not knowing at all where I am at two in the morning excited to see where that goes but uh back to the buffs since that was a weird thing I'm probably just lost all your attention but you know, it's it's just a game that would make sense for him to go off against a guy like Anthony Gordon, you know, where they, they're throwing it so much on that side of the ball that the buffs are probably going to lean a little bit that way. Even though I, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but Mel Tucker was saying he's he's happy with his running game. He thinks that he could see this team running the ball more just because of, you know, that it looks like that's becoming a strength. They can do all of these different things which is nice because you knew they had the passing game you didn't know they had the running game but maybe what you do is just control the pace of play against a team like Washington State run the ball a lot and don't give the ball to Montez quite as much 
At the same time, though, he's due for big game because that's just how he works, I guess. Um, so there's my take there. I'll definitely get a post up today. If you guys have any thoughts, leave comments because I like to hear from you, too, instead of you guys just having to listen to me. Um, make it a dialogue instead of me just talking for a while. So I think that that's about it. I'll be back again tomorrow on Tuesday. Not really sure what the plan is. Might even try to get the draft podcast out tomorrow. I don't know. We'll figure something out. There'll be something for you to listen to, though, uh, whether it's just buff stuff, whether it's all college football related. Might even go to Blake Street Tavern on my way back from Boulder. Seems like a good idea. Um, then on Wednesday, we are having that Avs watch party at Ice House. I'm not sure what time the game is. You guys can figure that out. I'll, I'll figure it out for tomorrow, too, but I'm not going to Google right now and try to talk while I'm Googling. Never works. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. If, if you're a casual Avs fan, if, if you are not an Avs fan, if you are not a hockey fan, you in particular should be coming to this watch party because the Avs are going on a tear this year. This is the best they've been in so long. I mean, this, this is the most talented team they've had since like the Sackick, Forsberg, like since those days. And it's pretty incredible. And you're going to want to be a part of it. And this is the group of people to do it with. You know, we're going to have all of us from DNVR. I'm not sure. So, like, I followed along with the Avs quite quite a bit last year. I, I, I know what's happening. I I enjoyed watching. But, like, Drew Creaseman, who covers the Rockies, has never paid attention to hockey in his life. But because of the hype building around this team, he's decided he's all in on hockey. And so it's just been kind of funny watching him try to figure out what's going on. He's, he's like working on how, how to say the players names. It's a blast. And the point is like, we'll have our diehard hockey guys, people who cover the team there. We'll have, uh, guys like me who are like, yeah, I like it. You know, that's where Ryan and Allie are too, where it's like, we really like watching all of this hockey, but we aren't like hockey nerds, you know? And then, then there, there are guys like Drew who are new to the whole hockey world. So wherever you are on the spectrum, come to, hang out with us. It'll be a blast. Obviously, a bunch of Avs fans there, too. Um, always a great environment. I've heard. I've never actually been to one of those watch parties. I've been to some of the others, and they've all been a blast. But, yeah, let's let's all get together. We can talk some buffs. And then Thursday, if you're going to the Bronco game, we have our tailgate with Sons of Mile High starting at 2, and that's going to be a blast. Um, I'll be out there. I'll be drinking a lot of Breck beers. And even if you're not going to the game, if you want to come hang out there, I think usually a couple people head from there over to like Blake Street Tavern or somewhere to get some food or drinks to watch the game. It's just a good time. It's free food and free beer. Um, and I don't know how you pass that up. Sure, it's like 30 minutes from Boulder. But I, I, I don't actually know where most of you are. I should check that. I mostly just count the number of countries there that we're in because that's a fun stat. But uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of fun stuff this week. Hopefully you guys will come out. Um, I'm actually not going to Pullman for this week's game. I think I will go to the UCLA and Utah games um, down the stretch, but I will be here. I'll probably go to the Blake Street Tavern on Saturday. I think it's 5, 5.30 kickoff um, to watch that. So if you guys are looking for a place to go, come hang out with me. I'll just be set up with my laptop tweeting. Uh, again, all of our Buffs people, Ryan's probably going to be there. Allie's probably going to be there. Um, I don't even know. I think sometimes we talk like Drew in because Drew graduated from there. Uh, you know, the, the crew will be there. We'll be having a blast. So Tuesday, or no, wait, Wednesday, Avs, Thursday, Broncos, Saturday, Buffs, and it's just going to be a great week. And I hope that you guys are here for all of it with us. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for today. Uh, subscribe or something. I don't know. 
do what you want to do. Uh, bye. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Yeah. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.